We are uh, at the end of the liturgical calendar tonight. This is the last Sunday before we begin the new year of the Christian liturgical calendar next year or next week with the first Sunday in Advent. And in light of this occasion, I've chosen to depart from our series just for the moment, which was called The Center on Luke's Gospel, where we're looking at Jesus and coming back to the center of things. For what I hope is is an opportunity to to get uh, to the heart of the matter in some regard. And we're going to do that by coming to the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, and focusing in particularly on verses 10 and 11. But as you think about life, as you think about your life, as you think about living in the world that we all know and experience today, uh, what is it that, that is ultimately asked of you? What is it that, that ultimately will, will um, lead you to becoming the kind of man or woman that God has called you to be and longs for you to be? Um, Isaiah chapter, first, chapter 50, verse 10. Who among you? Who among you is this question that's put to the people uh, in Israel? Who among you? And I want you to have that question in your minds as we um, look at this text together. Who among you? How does the you of verse 10 of chapter 50 have anything to do with the you of those of us who are in this place right now? What's the connection? Why would this... Why would these two verses out of Isaiah 50 have any relevance for us as people in 21st century Boston? Let me give you two two answers to that question to to help us to see how this addresses us. The first is from a broader context. We've talked a lot about the first century, but we can also talk about the people of Israel under exile or in exile under Babylon in the 6th century. And... um, Being under exile is something that uh, not just those in the first century or those in the sixth century BC experience, but it's something that you and I, in many ways, experience in our own lives today. We all experience this world. In fact, we're coming to Advent. This will be a theme, I'm sure, in, in the season of Advent. But we experience this world as a tragic place. Beautiful, yes. Wonderful, full of mystery. Uh, full of delights, full of, uh, of, of great things, yes, but also at the same time, full of tragic things. In some ways, I want to look at the, the idea of exile as the fracturing or the failure or the, um, the falling short of desire. How many of you have had a desire for something that you really long for? Maybe it's, um, maybe it's peace. And, and you long for this, and, and you're, you're, in a sense, hungering after it, and you're thirsting after it, and you find that it doesn't matter how closely you come to attaining it, it just seems to elude your grasp. Or to attain some measure of rest, and yet you still feel pretty weary and pretty tired. Or, just, uh, or even something as simple as health that you long for. And yet you find it again just, just kind of eluding you. Not, not quite something that you can grasp. This is what it means to be in exile. Some of those desires that are placed within the human heart, that are given by God into us as human beings, that we long to have fulfilled, continue to elude us and elude our grasp. We all know what it's like. 
How many of you long for uh, intimacy? You long to know and to be known. You long to love and to be loved. And yet sometimes the closer that you move to people, the more alienated you feel. Just another picture. The nation of Israel had been driven out from its promised land in 587 B.C. under the Babylonian Empire. They had been pushed out and taken captive away from this promised land that God had given them into the place, into Babylon, this place of foreign gods and foreign kings. And they found themselves frustrated. Frustrated in a broken world. And what happens to us in exile? What are the things that we begin to be subject to? Doubt is one. We start to doubt whether or not God really cares. Verse 14, chapter 49 of Isaiah. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. We start to doubt. Another thing that we can experience in exile is is just uh, apathy. A a, a kind of wandering, an aimlessness, a distance, a a lack of any genuine feeling or or, uh, warmth toward God, or even if not toward God, just about life. It's the repeated experience of something being broken, of something not being attained, that leads to this kind of numbness over time where we just put it on autopilot, we move through the days, but without much expectation, without any real um, zeal or much hope. Another thing that we can experience in exile is this phenomenon of, of assimilation. This was a big one for the nation of Israel to come among others And instead of maintaining this this faithful worship of the one true God, just becoming like everybody else around them. Starting to bow down to their gods, starting to do their things, starting to take on their idols for themselves, and to be assimilated to the culture around them. And that's obviously something that we face day in and day out as the people of God in the 21st century. So like Israel, yeah, we've had some experience with God, Yes, God has come and rescued us. And yet also, like Israel, in this context in Isaiah 50, we wonder, does God still notice me? Does he still care? Has he forgotten? And we begin to be subject to these things that this kind of fractured world, the frustration of our desires, brings about in life. Who among you That's where you fit in the you, in one sense. And there is another sense in which we fit in this you of verse 10 of chapter 50. You, the people with whom or for whom God has taken initiative. You, the ones that God has set his affections upon. The one to whom God has promised and given and pledged his steadfast love which endures forever and his faithfulness that endures through all generations. Not just any you, but but you, those whom God has called, those whom God has set apart, those whom God 
cares for deeply. The context, bigger context, Isaiah 40, beginning in Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort, O my people. The people in exile, but God is doing something new. God is on the move. God is taking initiative with his people. And this initiative in these chapters of Isaiah gets focused in on this mysterious figure of the servant. And we've read this in Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 9, about the servant here that God's initiative happens through. And I want you just to notice, if you've got your Bibles, look at these verses from verses 4 to 9 about the servant. He's obedient. He's got this attentive ear, listens to the voice of God. Not only that, but verse 4 of chapter 50, it says that, um, that I may know, this is the servant speaking, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. This servant has a word for the weary ones. For the ones who are in exile. For the ones who are struggling with apathy, with assimilation, with doubt, perhaps with fear. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He has a word A word that sustains the weary, this servant, this initiative of God in the world toward us. Sustains the weary. He suffers opposition. Verse 6, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And this suffering will become more and more explicit in the next song at the end of chapter 52 and all of verses chapter 53. The servant suffers. And at the same time as he suffers, he has a deep confidence. Because of his attentive ear, because he knows that God has sent him, he's confident in God's vindication. Verses 7, verses seven through 9. He sets his face like flint and says, He who vindicates me is near. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Who among you asks this word. You who have been in exile, you who struggle in a world of frustrated desire, and you with whom God has taken initiative, you to whom God has sent His servant and His word of comfort to the weary. Here's the question that I want us to to focus on. How will you go forward How will you go forward from this place in your life right now? How will you walk out of these doors tonight? How will you go forward? That's the question that's put to the you, which is Israel in the 6th century, which is us in the 21st century. How will you go forward? So here verses 10 and 11. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of His servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, verse 11, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with, flint, with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. 
How will you go forward? One way, verse 11. Verse 11, to, to kindle a fire, to equip yourself with a burning torch, and then to walk by the light of your own fire, by the torches that you have kindled. You still have light in you. You still think that you can find a way forward. You still want to make it on your own terms. This is one option for the people in exile, for the you of verse 10. Still thinking that they have light, still thinking that they can see, still thinking that they can somehow muster up the the ability to overcome the frustration of their own desire. And so they run and they labor and they toil by the light of their own wisdom, by the strength of their own might to get out of this exile. This fire that's built from a very limited perspective, we don't even know what, bring, what, what tomorrow will bring, This fire that's built out of our best guesses and wisdom and understanding. And any of us who have spent any time reading or studying know that the more that we know, the more we realize that we don't actually know much at all. But we would be the ones to build the fire. We would be the ones to to put up the torches and to start walking in this direction that we think we can do it on our own. So when we get hurt, when somebody hurts me, when somebody's angry with me, we get angry back. We We strike back. When we have experience after experience of failure and shortcoming and not measuring up, we curl up in a ball and can't move and find ourselves undone. Or on the flip side, when we have this experience of success after success after success and we get the praise and the affirmation of people around us, we start to think that we can do anything. And so we move forward with this this foolish confidence which one day will lead to a great fall and which already causes us to be a kind of stench in the nostrils of the people around us. So this is what we build our fires from. We build them from our own experience. We build them from our past. We build them from what little that we can glean from, from the wisdom of this world. You know, there's a biblical principle that you will reap what you sow. And this verse, verse 11, isn't necessarily dealing with the everlasting um, destination of those who don't follow Yahweh. But it does give us a sense that the way of walking by our own light and our own flames and our own torches leads to nothing. It leads to despair. It leads, in this verse, to torment to coming under the crushing burden of sin, of rebellion, of walking our own way in God's world. That's an option for us. That's an option for you. To One who's in exile, frustrated, not able to get what you want, not able to grasp it, build your own fire. Walk by your own light. Who among you? 
Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. See, there's another way to go. There's another way for those who are in exile. There's another way for those with whom God has taken an initiative. And the first way on this way is to acknowledge that we live in darkness and have no light. It's to begin to distrust my own faculties of judgment and discernment. It's to begin to understand that I don't see anything very clearly at all. That I'm helpless. That I'm needy. That I'm very dependent and limited. That I need help. That's the first step. And those who walk in darkness and have no light, let those people, not the ones who are busy burning their own fire and building up their own fire so they can see and figure out where to go and take life and run with it, but those who have recognized that that is an exercise in futility. And they cling to the Lord. They cling to Him. They trust in Him. They fall before Him. They lay themselves Upon him, even and perhaps especially in the darkness of exile. Even when life's not making sense, even when there's something that you're struggling with that that, that you wish would be uh, uh, dealt with and fixed and resolved, they cling to God, to his voice, to his call, like the servant who not only serves for us as a Savior, but also as a model. Morning by morning, He awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. An attentive voice to the Word of God spoken into the darkness. He has loved me. He has moved toward me. He will vindicate me. The exile leaves you with a a very simple choice of this resting, confident, trusting faith in a God who speaks into the darkness calls you to trust and to cling against your, your, your best and biggest desires not to do so. Who calls you to wait, to depend, to be still. Or to say, I'm done with it, I've had it. And to start building your own fire. Who among you fears the Lord? And obeys the voice of his servant. This is the voice of a God who is for you. Whatever it is that your circumstances may be telling you right now. This is the voice of a God who has taken upon himself your greatest issues, problems, needs. 
This is a God who can handle your biggest screw-ups and failures, your most recent ones, your most public ones, and your most private ones. This is a God who recognizes that you deal every day with apathy, that you find yourself tempted all the time to assimilation, that you cry out to him from time to time, like the man whose son was not well, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. It's this God, this God who sent his servant, who calls to you. Wherever you find yourself right now, who longs for you to cling to him, to trust in him, to let go, to to just rest in him, to find that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He loves you. This is the choice that faces you not once, but quite literally every day, maybe every hour, maybe every minute. We've talked about going deeper in Christ this fall. We've taken a look closely at Jesus as the center. It's this way. Not of building our own fire, but of clinging to God in the midst of the darkness. It's this way that leads to deepening, that leads to life, that leads to joy, that leads to the grasping in some real and tangible way of those things for which we long and which we find unable to get in our own strength. It's this way, Church of the Cross, that we're called as God's people.